privilege that is. Uh, it's also overwhelmingly awesome and scary uh, as we invest in our, the children that you give us. Father, I pray that we would um, have ears to hear and, Father, a heart to uh, make necessary changes in our lives so that we might be most effective uh, in investing in children. pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Uh, parenting is probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Teaching on parenting is even hard it, it, because there, it is such a, uh, when you're talking about parenting, it's so wide in whether you're dealing with a one-year-old or you're dealing with a 17-year-old. Uh, if you're dealing with a boy versus a girl, yes, there is a difference, believe it or not. Uh, there's just a, a vast difference when you're uh, dealing with uh, children. And, and because they are changing, you think you can get away by sitting over there by yourself? Switch over. Switch over. So, uh, um, so it, it just it's, it's, it really is overwhelming. I, I think of I've, we have four children um, and now uh, almost 11 grandchildren. We have one that's on the way any time. Just got an update, no baby yet uh, today, so, uh, but we're waiting for number 11. But just to watch, and it's kind of fun as a grandpa to get to go back and watch uh, the, the different age spans. So I've got one that's one-ish all the way up to 10-ish, you know, grandchildren, and just watching their behavior, watching how they act. Uh, it's, it's kind of fun to be on this side, you know, I'm not under the heat of, of parenting my own children. So uh, the, the whole process of parenting, uh, uh, we're working through parenthood. Uh, we're, today we're going to talk about getting to the heart of behavior. And just as a reminder, uh, Christianity is inherently familial, familial. I can't say that word. I'm with uh, um, Sergio. But just the whole relationship of the father and son, uh, just that picture there of their relationship, uh, the fact that we are adopted into God's family uh, is another picture that we see there. Uh, that within the church we see the brother-sister relationship um, that is uh, there that we experience within the church. And in, a, in some way, in a small way, uh, as a family unit, we represent, we uh, show to the world uh, just the whole picture of God, the gospel, and the church. And so uh, we want our relationship with our children to, to really image uh, what uh, the church is about, what the God is about. And so it should, should do that in our relationship. So when we think of that, what would that look like? Um, I want some feedback from you. When we're talking about imaging God uh, to the world, uh, I want to get some feedback from you. What would that look like? What does it look like when we do that? Just so that you three get, don't get in trouble over there, I've made everybody move to the center. So, yeah, I saw that look. So if you guys want to move to the center, that would be great. just helps us to hear each other. What would it, what would it look like? Uh, when we are doing that well, when we're imaging Christ well as a, as a family. Not awake yet, or it's a bad question? Have you been reading my notes? Is that what you, okay, authority, the authority structure, we see that. What else? Okay. 
So we're seeing that. How else? What would that? Okay. Yeah, that's probably one of the hardest things to do, especially when your child is uh, misbehaving and looking ugly and acting ugly, or when you're misbehaving and you're acting ugly as the parent, right? But that's that's good. What else? Selfless? No. We were trying to stay away from that. Yeah, selfless, that, that would be a picture of that. You know, I, I think of um, other families when, when they look into my family and they watch the way that I conduct life with inside my household. What does, that, what does that communicate to them? What do they see? Because they certainly see imperfection. I know when my kids were growing up, we had uh, their friends were over at our house all the time. Um, and we kind of had an open-door policy, literally to the point where they all knew the code to the garage door, and they came and went as much as they wanted. I was asleep one time in the living room uh, taking a nap, and I hear the garage door open. I'm thinking one of my kids came home, and then I hear the refrigerator open, and then I hear cereal being poured, and I hear milk being poured, and all of a sudden one of my fr- kid's friends walks into the living room with a bowl of cereal in my house. We wanted to create that kind of an environment for them. And I remember uh, we didn't have a TV in the living room. We didn't watch TV. We didn't have cable. Uh, we were one of those weird families. We used TV for, for school, but we didn't watch it. Or we pre-decided which VCR we would pick that night that we would watch uh, back in those days. And, and so we created our living room as a place of conversation. And so Debbie and I would just land there at some point in time during the evening. And then all of a sudden, one by one, the kids would come. And they would land, and we would sit and talk. And sometimes those would be good talks. Sometimes those would turn crazy. Some, you know, three boys that would turn violent. You know, always. My boys can't walk past each other to this day without physical contact. There's got to be an elbow. There's got to be a shoulder. You know, there's always some sort of physical contact going on. And and that would just be a place where we created an environment where we spent time talking with each other about whatever. And it could be silly as as all the way to serious. Um, and what we saw was that then our friends, our kids' friends, would come and become a part of that. And so we're imaging for them a little bit of that relationship uh, that we have with the Lord. Uh, Debbie mentioned one thing was authority, uh, the fact that we live under authority uh, and uh, under Christ's authority. And it's essential as parents that we create that and we teach that to our children, that they are under authority as well, uh, especially in those first years uh, the years ages uh, zero to five, uh, establishing authority, teaching obedience to children is essential uh, at those early years. And I'm just going to say, culturally, my observation is is that parents are throwing that out. Uh, they don't have, they, as a culture, we're not even saying they have authority, and we're not teaching children to, to, to be under authority. Uh, ages six to 12, uh, we're helping them grow in character. We're we're going from now, not only just the authority structure now, now we're adding character to that. What are the character traits that we want to see in children? And I added an, a, a category there, ages 13 to 17. And, and as we move from authority to character, now we're in that stage where we're starting to teach responsibility. We're trying to help prepare them for a launch. If you're not preparing your children to leave home, you're not preparing your children. Uh, the goal is for your children to leave, not stay forever, all right? And so uh, be careful, they do come back. 
uh, I have a 31-year-old living with us right now. He lost his job during COVID and, and hasn't recovered financially from that process, so he's living with us. It's a good thing. It's not a, a hopefully an unhealthy thing, but we're teaching them so that they might own their own faith and launch out and take responsibility as adults. So I added that, that category there. Um, ultimately, we want children to become worshipers of God, and by God's grace, imagine this, coming back around and serving with you in the church. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, that your kids grow up, and whether they're, uh, whatever their role is in the church now, you, you're together serving Christ in the church. Wouldn't that be a, a neat experience? Uh, I had that actually with my uh, middle son, Stephen. He and I were serving in church, actually on staff together. And that, that was a pretty cool experience to, to be able to see that, to experience that. I've got a son who's working at a camp and doing ministry, but to be in the same church and to be able to all serve together uh, is a beautiful picture there. And I think that that would be uh, just a cool uh, understanding and goal of what that would look like as they grow. Uh, Ted Tripp, there's uh, Ted Tripp and there's David Paul Tripp. So there's, there's brothers there. Uh, Ted Tripp wrote the book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. And he really... Uh, he really hits at this issue of, of looking at the heart of behavior, and our tendency as parents is to focus on the behavior. We see the behavior. We deal with the behavior. That's what's making me frustrated, right, is the, is the behavior that's going on. I was at a birthday party yesterday for my grandson, and there were a bunch of uh, kids here, some of yours. Uh, where, where are they at? Some come in. Yeah, yeah, some of yours. Anyway, none of them were acting bad, but they were just being kids, and they were running and, you know, chasing each other through the living room into the den, and my son's, and it is just like, okay, I'm getting frustrated, you know, but all the parents were like, hey, this is cool, you know, we're, we're good. Nobody was doing anything wrong, it's just, you know, you're in that kind of an environment there, and our focus is, it becomes on behavior, and there's a tendency that, that our, that when we are dealing with our children is we're looking at their behavior, and our, and as well as looking at their behavior only, and so he's calling that is that we wrongly focus too much on the outward behavior, and usually you're reacting to what we see there. That's what David Paul Tripp says. And so our reaction is, uh, will you stop that, play nice, quit screaming, quit acting like that? And the behavior becomes our attention. And, and, and what David Paul Tripp is saying here is that, that that is a danger for us as parents, is to be focused only on behavior. Uh, I know that uh, as, a, as a young parent, when I was parenting my children, um, my focus was totally on their behavior based on my comfort zone. In other words, if your behavior is bothering me, interrupting me, frustrating me, then I'm going to be correcting behavior. Uh, I wish somebody had taught me some of these things back then. Um, <clears throat> now, I'm going to say this, that if you have a one- to three-year-old, uh, you do need to focus on behavior. Uh, so we're, we're going to kind of play those two together in that. Uh, but there are some parents who seem to think that uh, the misbehavior, the uh, attitudes, the their um, tantrums, and they go, oh, isn't he so cute? No, he's not cute. And if you don't deal with that, you're going to have problems later. It's not funny. Um, it is ugly, and it's going to only get uglier as they get older uh, in that process. So I've kind of said two things. Literally, I was in uh, Academy just a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and I noticed these things. I'm not trying to be highly critical. I just see things, Okay. So there's a family, and they're yelling and screaming at their kid in the same aisle that I'm at. They, they had three kids there, and they had a dog. And it was one of the dogs they were training to be a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a what? Service dog, you know, kind of deal. And that dog was better treated and better mannered than the children were. 
I'm thinking, that, that's kind of a, a scary thing there. Um, but the, the whole point here is that both the heart and the behavior are essential when it comes to training our children. Uh, we want to learn how to train both. Uh, God, is, God is more concerned. Uh, God isn't simply concerned with the outward behavior. Uh, he's also and mostly concerned about the heart, uh, the heart of the behavior. What, what's driving that? More of the uh, what of behavior, but the why of behavior. Uh, as parents, as we're looking at that. And really, as we, as we can start looking at and understand that the heart is what is at issue, the behavior is secondary. The behavior then becomes kind of an indicator of what's going on in the heart. Uh, you can look at a child's behavior, and, and as you learn and study that, you can tell what's going on in that. And it doesn't have to just be the, the misdeeds and the, and the bad behavior. You can tell when a child is jealous. You can tell when a child is embarrassed. And they're behaving in a way that reflects that. And so part of parenting is learning to get towards the heart of what is the underlining issue that's going on there. Uh, much in the same way in medical terms, you would say that there's presenting symptoms. The behavior is a presenting symptom of something much deeper, which is whatever's going on in the heart. Does that make sense? Uh, our youngest son, uh, when he was a preschooler, would, um, close to mealtimes, turn into a monster. Just yelling, screaming, uncontrollable, and at dinner and at, at mealtime, and it was just really frustrating. And at one point, I remember Debbie shoving food into his mouth. He would—I mean, he was just being totally un, unreasonable. And she shoved food into his mouth, and all of a sudden, he settled down. And then he would eat, and he'd be fine. And what we realized is that his blood sugar would drop, and then he would become kind of unreasonable and difficult. To the point where we would tell friends when we left them at, his, at their house is that if he starts to act out more than normal, give him food. And guess what? His behavior would change. Uh, and so just, just the whole understanding that my outward behavior is a reflection of something else that's going on in me. That happened to be a physiological issue, uh, but there's also a heart issue that drives behavior. Now, this is interesting to me, and I'm probably going to miss this in my own notes here, um, uh, let, me, let me just make sure I stay on my notes. Uh, Ted Tripp uses this illustration of uh, when we make our focus on the behavior alone, it's like taking an apple tree that has sour apples and gnarly apples on the tree, and we go and we take a, a fishing line and we tie a nice juicy red apple on the tree. What's going to happen to that nice juicy red apple on the tree? It's going to rot, right? Because it's not really connected to the tree. And when we, when we focus in on behavior alone, we're creating an, an outward behavior that isn't necessarily driven from the, from the heart, and ultimately that's not going to last. That's not going to bear the fruit. It, it's, in a sense, uh, false that way. So <clears throat> the heart is the control center of behavior, and behavior re, uh, reveals the heart. Proverbs 23.3, most of us are probably familiar with this verse. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And so <clears throat> here we have the picture here that the overflow of the heart is revealing where uh, our heart is in the area of, of worship, what we fear, what we trust, what we hope in, uh, what entices us. Uh, the heart is that sense of the control center of one's life. It's the inmost being. It's the seat of one's personality, total personality. It's the seat of reason. Um, I like the, idea, the picture of a mind, will, and emotions. 
is a part of all that. What we're thinking, what's going on in our mind impacts our, our, our emotions and then it impacts our behavior. So what does it mean to guard your heart? I want some impact in, in uh, feedback from you guys. What does it mean to guard your heart? I talked just long enough for you guys to go to sleep and Okay, what you're putting into your mind, what you watch, what you listen to. So watching is reading as well, okay? What else? Mm-hmm. Okay. What else? Let's change that now. Let's, let's turn that towards children and training their heart and guarding their heart. How, how do those influences then impact, and how do we as parents influence uh, their affections, their mind, uh, their heart? How do we do that? What are the things that we would do? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so just by not exposing them to that, you're not building an affection for that or desire for that. I would have loved for my parents never to expose me to sugar because it's my number one drug of choice mixed with high fat. It's called a donut, you know, so, you know, I'm addicted. So, what else? Absolutely. I highly recommend that you pray for your children, and I highly recommend that you start that even before they're born. If you're, if you're still in that before they're born stage, I know that as my kids get older, my prayers have become more specific <clears throat> in understanding what they're going through. And even now as adult children, I pray for my children. It's the greatest thing I can do for them is to pray for them. Um, I don't offer my children advice uh, unless they ask me. So I, my adult children do, do their life, and I don't interfere into that. Even when it, at times I might go, oh, I can't believe they're doing that, or I don't like that decision. But usually, because we've cultivated a relationship with us, they come back and, and they ask. And I've actually, I think I've said this before, but I think, feel like I do more parenting now with my adult children than I did when they were younger because we're dealing with real-life issues, and they're raising children now. It's, good. it's like, yeah, this is fun to watch you struggle through that. It's not so easy, huh? Mm, it's good. So what else can we do to guard their heart?
Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, absolutely. I mean, a child who is not disciplined, a child who is not corrected and allowed to go about their behavior, it's going to lead to destruction. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. For yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're done. We're done confessing about that. We're moving on. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's a sense that where the world is really, uh, the society, has, culture is really pushed in, that emotions are what they are, and, you, you know, you can't control your emotions or you can't manage and help them, but you can actually train their emotions to think and feel appropriately about the things that they're thinking and feeling about. And you're the one to do that. You're the one that's in their life to help them uh, see that uh, as, as they go through it. What else? There's one I'm looking for you haven't said yet, but I kind of it hit it. Absolutely. Parents, you can guard your child's heart by who they spend time with. And that may mean a very limited group of friends that they're going to be around. But I can promise you, having uh, worked with students, having been a youth pastor, having uh, been a principal at Trinity Christian School, uh, when you put peers together in a group, you've got greater compounded foolishness. And guess what they learn from that? In another way, they can learn positive things. You can take a little child who isn't walking yet, maybe delayed in walking, and put them with little children close to their age that are walking. All of a sudden, they start walking. Why? Because they're seeing that model. Who you put your kids with will have a tremendous impact on their lives. Don't be fooled by that. And yes, as a parent, I believe you can guard their heart by choosing their friends or choosing how much time you're going to spend around them or the environment that you're going to spend time with them. Uh, my youngest son has uh, some little children in their, their life, and they've made the decision that we will not allow them to be with those children unless we are there present so we can correct behavior. Why? Because his daughter's starting to pick up the same behavior that those kids are, are influencing. For me, I ran around with older kids in the neighborhood who had older siblings, and it led to all kinds of painful outcomes for me as a child. My, par- my, my, my parents were clueless but they should have never let me run around with the kids that were three or four years older than me because they drug me into all kinds of bad stuff. And so we as parents have that opportunity. Uh, the, the friends uh, dealing with uh, what we're putting into their mind, and I think one of the hardest things, and you said it a little bit, is, is that um, if we're not guarding our heart and showing them what that looks like, 
Uh, the, the old excuse, well, this is an adult movie. This is for adults. Okay, I get that to some degree, but oftentimes that's just an excuse for you to, to indulge in your flesh and, and say it's not for kids. Now, there are topics that are too difficult for young children, but are you living that lifestyle where you're guarding your heart and they're seeing that modeled by what you watch, what you read, what you do, the way you conduct life? Uh, a great uh, illustration of that is just like you said, Tyler, is, is when I go to my kids and I've overreacted and I've, and, I've, and I've hurt them because of that, and I come back and I take responsibility for that, that was wrong. I should not have responded that way to you. I was hurtful in my words. I was hurtful in my actions. I hope that you'll forgive me for that. I was wrong. Powerful with your children. Men, if you are too proud to tell your child that you were wrong, that's a heart issue. And it does not take away from your authority as a, as a father in their lives. It actually gives you more authority for you to be able to say, it was wrong, I should not have acted that way. Now, there may be some ladies in here that have trouble with that too. I'm just picking on the men because I can and get away with that. So, uh, remember, your child's behavior is an indicator of their heart. Something's going on underneath that behavior. And that's what ultimately where we want to parent uh, our, our kids. A couple other passages of scriptures, I spent a little bit more time on that one, but uh, Mark uh, 7, 21, uh, Jesus taught that from within, out of the man, uh, men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, uh, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, uh, slander, and arrogance and folly, as well as Luke 6, uh, 45, it says, a good man brings... Uh, good things out of it, stored up in his heart, Jesus said, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you can become an, a, a, a student of your children's heart, it'll make behavior training a whole lot easier. And ultimately, we're going after the heart. And so there's going to be all kinds of opportunities for us to do that. There's great implications uh, for parenting just found in looking at what's underneath the behavior in, in, in dealing with the heart. So uh, some of, for, I was just going to say this, I think I've already said it, what, what makes uh, training the heart difficult for many of us is the fact that uh, we've not discovered heart training for ourselves. Now that may be true here or may not be true. For me it was true. I had the whole concept of training my heart is something that, that I came into much later after my kids were older. It was not something that I saw modeled in my home. It was all about behavior, and it was behavior that bothered my dad. It wasn't beha wrong behavior. It was behavior that bothered my dad. So when we were acting in such a way that it triggered him, then, we, then the, you know, the, uh, the fist flew. But if, if it was not bothering him, he literally said, I don't care, which wasn't helpful, helpful either, right? So I didn't really see that model, didn't really understand that. And quite frankly, it's been a part of a journey for me in my own Christian uh, life is to understand that my heart is driving this mouth, this attitude, the rolling of my eyes. The, there, when, when I roll my eyes at Debbie, there's something in my heart, right? It's not just a habit. It, there's something in my heart. When I get angry and I overreact, there's something in my heart that's, that's leading me to that. When I desire to look at something I shouldn't look at, it's my heart that is driving that, and there's a need for uh, training of my own heart. And as I understand that, then 
I'm able to do a much better job parenting my children because now I'm seeing, oh, my heart. Now I'm helping them see their heart in that. So uh, Ted Tripp uh, says this as well. He says, a change in behavior that does not stem from a change in heart is not uh, commendable. It is condemnable. It's kind of a strong statement. Let me read it again. He says, a change in behavior that does not stem from a change in heart is not uh, commendable. It's condemnable. And here's the reason why he says this, is that, that it's much like the Pharisees. When Jesus said to the Pharisees, he says, you honor me, you honor God uh, in your behavior while rejecting him in your heart. It is possible for a child to obey for the wrong reason. Now, let's take a minute and brainstorm together again. What are some of the things that we might do, ways that we might try to control their behavior so that they will do what we want them to do? Unhealthy ways. What are some of the things that parents do? Bribery. Give us an illustration of bribery. <laughs> I love it when I tell my kids, shut up. Shut up. No. Okay, so bribery. I'm going to give you this if you behave this way. That is behavior, modifi- behavior modification. All right? What else do we do? Manipulation, give me an example of that. Oh, man, the guilt tripping them. If you love me, if you love mommy, if you love daddy, you'll do this. Okay? They don't even really know what love is yet. All right, what else do we do? Sheer force. Guilty. Okay, if if there was anything I was guilty of is you will obey me because I'm bigger than you, and I can hurt you. Right? I'm, I, I want to ask for hands, but come on. I'm not the only one in here that has gone too far in saying, you, you're gonna, I'm a, man, I'm going to spank you until you obey me, right? I'm going to get you to obey me, and it's your force. Well, I can scare just about any kid into obeying me for a time, right? But is that really what we want? I'm only, I'm only doing it because of the potential punishment that's going to come. What else? Okay, so it's another form of guilt of manipulating, all right? My emotions and how it makes me feel doesn't have anything to do with their heart, okay? What else? Anything else you guys can throw out there? Very close to the mere force of obedience, uh, force, force would be uh, just the fact of fear of man, uh, and, and very much in the same sense that, that a child can... Uh, be afraid of what the consequences are going to be. Uh, and what Ted Tripp calls each one of those methods is hanging apples. In other words, you're taking a delicious apple and you're tying it to the tree, but it's not going to last. Okay? Because we're only dealing with behavior. We must go beyond behavior. We must look at the heart of the issue that's there. So we must, we must control that. Um, Let me ask you this. Uh, if you have a kid in front of you and uh, you can't get to the heart, do you still have to control the behavior? Yes. Please. <laughs> Please control the behavior, uh, especially of those preschoolers. Get, get them. The, the, the zero to four or five are critical in, in child raising. 
Don't ignore those years. Those are critical years in, in forming those. But yes, we must control their behavior. I, I was, uh, uh, we got a question in the back. Yes. Yeah, I would say that, it, it, okay, I, I messed up. I've let them be out of control. I haven't, I haven't trained them to be obedient, to see authority. Uh, in, in, in our culture today, it says, you know, if I'm going to talk to a child, I'm going to get down on their eye level. And, you know, now, sweetie, you know. No, we're supposed to be an authority. We, it's actually good for you to stand over your child and say, I need you to do this. And, and late obedience is disobedience. Let's go clean up your room right now. Um, it, but if you haven't been doing that and you got a child out of control, it's still the same thing. Is this going to be a whole lot more work and a lot more um, consistency of coming back now and saying, I'm going for the heart, but I'm not going to allow this behavior to be here. Ultimately, what you want is the heart is going to drive that behavior. How do I, how do I know when the heart is kicking into my children's behavior? Is when my child comes and tells me what they did wrong before I get, catch them. Or when they come with a repentant heart and said, I did this, and they're in tears and they're in brokenness because their heart is broken, you go, there's fruit there. It, parenting is one of those, it's a long-term deal, and you can't go, oh, I arrived at 3, or I arrived at 6, or I arrived at 12. It's an ongoing process. It's, it takes endurance. It's a, it's a marathon. It's not a race. So for those that didn't do that, you've got work to catch up in that. I, I, I was principal at Trinity Christian School for, for three years, and, um, and I was trying to even talk about this whole principle. How many of you are teachers in here before I get myself in trouble? Oh, three of your teachers. Um, and I was talking to the teachers about moving from behavioral uh, correction to heart training. And I get this. <laughs> we don't have time to do that. You know, and if you've got a classroom with 15 to 25 kids, and depending on their age, it's, you know, but it's amazing. You can do behavioral control, and you can also do heart training. And one of the cool things in a Christian school is we have the ability to do the heart because we can speak to the heart. And so the, the, the natural reaction was, how in the world do I ever do all that and, and keep up with it? Um, because I've got to deal with the behavior. Yes, you've got to deal with the behavior. But ultimately, when a child misbehaves, there's an opportunity in that to then speak to the heart. And what, dro what drove you to hit Johnny? What drove you to steal that? What drove you to say those words? Not lying, okay? And I'm not picking on... Trinity, I just, that's my experience place, okay? As principal, I have a teacher come to me and say, we're concerned because we have three and four-year-olds out on the playground mimicking, I forgot the name of the show, Walking Dead. Three and four-year-olds mimicking Walking Dead. Now, how can they do that? Because they were exposed to it. They're watching it with mom and dad. Oh, they're too little, they're not going to see it. And they're out there on the playground. Kind of scary. All right, I lost my place again. <clears throat> let's, um, let's, let's brainstorm together uh, what, might, what might be some heart issues that a child is facing. What are some of the heart issues? As, as we're looking at the behavior, what are some of the, the, the issues that we might be able to identify in the heart? Selfishness, yep. Okay. 
Okay. What else? Pride. What else? Anger. Or just even an angry heart that's responding in anger, okay? I'm sorry. I'd, okay, let's define that a little bit more because that's a real broad, what do you mean by idolatry? I mean, a three-year-old, really? I, idolatrous? No. <laughs> ah, okay. So what's the idol underneath that? Winning pride, okay? Yeah. What else? Are you saying jealousy? Yeah, okay. Come on, my list is a lot longer than that. Come on, what else? Think of your own heart, <laughs> and that will give you a cue. Self-centeredness? How about laziness? Um, uh, disrespectful? Uh, dishonest? Anybody struggle with dishonesty with their kids? Uh, resentment? Greedy? Try not to hit the ones uh, unforgiving or some of the things that I see. That, so as I'm looking at their behavior, I'm kind of thinking through that list of what, are the, what, is, what is this showing me? What is this behavior showing me uh, as I look at them? So uh, Ted Tripp says again, he says, What must you do in correction and discipline? You must require proper behavior. God's law demands that. You cannot, however, be satisfied to leave the matter there. So there's, there's a sense of helping us to refocus. It may be new to you, it may not be new to you. The idea of, of we're really ultimately, but we must do both at the same time. Okay? So we're training their behavior. Uh, we're dealing with their behavior, but we're ultimately training uh, the heart as, as we walk through that. We're seeking to expose the attitude of the heart that resulted in the wrong behavior. Now, it, once again, this is, depends on the stage of child that you're dealing with, what, what it, where they're at, if they're preschool or if they're elementary or they're teenagers. But ultimately, the, the, the goal would be to help them discover and, and declare what it is. Now, a two-year-old's not going, well, I'm just being selfish, Mom. A two-year-old probably needs Mom or Dad to say, hey, that behavior's selfish. That's selfishness. Whereas when they get a little bit older, you want them to realize that that's selfishness, that you're being selfish or that you're being jealous. And so by asking questions that move from the behavior, helping them to see that their heart is driving that behavior, we want to do that by uh, interacting with them and asking questions to help them discover that. So uh, a couple of examples here, and I'm going to get you guys to brainstorm with me on, on a couple of these examples that they gave uh, in the material. And so first one, we're going to deal with a one-year-old uh, named Jack. All right, so put your mind in a one-year-old. You're dealing with a one-year-old. I should ask, I want to hear from some of you parents that have been doing this. You know, you're kind of done these stages, all right? But a, a one-year-old uh, Jack is fussing about not getting to play with a dangerous utensil and is starting to head for a tantrum. He's pulled the butcher knife off the counter. Not a one-year-old because they can't reach up there, but they probably reached inside the cabinet with something. What, how do you respond? Right way, wrong way. How do you respond to that child? Give me something safe, okay? Okay. Is that is that a wrong thing? 
if you just let them keep playing with the knife, you're, you're a bad dad, right? So you, you have to take that away. So you could replace it. What else? You're ultimately addressing the tantrum because you, you, you're going to take the knife away. You're, you might give them another toy, but the tantrum is, I want this. So how, are you, how do you address the tantrum from a heart issue for a one-year-old? Everybody's like, I don't know, what do I do? Yeah. Absolutely. This is a one-year-old. It's interesting, to, I have a one-year-old granddaughter, and at her house she can walk around with food and water throughout the entire house because it's tile everywhere. My house is carpet, so she can't move from the kitchen into the living room because she crosses into carpet. And that girl will put her big hairy toes right over the line and look right at me and say, are you going to make me obey or not? She knows. She knows when she's being rebellious. And she can't verbalize it, but she knows it. Oh, she's 20 now? I can't do another age. Yeah. But you get the point is that she knows. I'm talking about uh, Chloe. Wow. I lose age quickly. It's a male thing. She's still one. Okay. But she still knows. Even when she was younger, she knew. Yeah. Yeah. It. Part, part of that is just for us as parents to realize that they are sub, insubordinate. Yeah. Good, and, and that's, that's where we're going. As I understand that that child is going to be insubordinate, they're going to be prideful, they're going to want their way, uh, but I'm going to override that in a loving way, and they're not going to win. It's when I let them win that confuses them. I'm obviously out of time. Uh, come on in. Um, let's see if I can even, I don't know that I can even summarize. Sorry, I'm not good at uh, making this thing fit in time to schedule here. Uh, but you're seeing where we're going ultimately, and we're going to have more, uh, the other classes are going to talk more about uh, heart training and how do we do that process. But the, the bottom line is, is that we're going after the heart, not just the behavior, okay? If you're just going after behavior, 
then you're going to have problems later because it's missing the point of the gospel of what we're after. So, all right. Thanks. You guys came in so quietly. Awesome. <laughs>